Good evening and Merry Christmas. Uh, my name is Dwight Dunn and I am West Town's interim pastor. And it is my privilege and joy to be able to celebrate Christmas with you this evening as we celebrate how God has given us his son, Jesus Christ. And I would like to do that this evening by telling you a story about another father and son. I'd like to introduce you to a man by the name of Eli Hem, who is a very respected father and businessman. businessman. He has the, holds the highest credentials in engineering and law. And prior to entering business, he was a judge and continues to sit on night court or the emergency court of appeals whenever a stand-in judge is needed. Uh, as an entrepreneur, um, he began his multifaceted international corporation, Hem Industries, on his own. He holds numerous patents for innovative production techniques. If you were to walk down the executive um, floor hallway of the corporate headquarters, you would see the walls lined with framed commendations, awards, and trade journal articles about his company. His products serve the agricultural, textile, housing, healthcare, and defense industries. And his products lead the industry standards for safety and quality. He is a man who is known for his high ethical practices, for his genuine interest and concern for his employees, and also for his generous philanthropic community involvement. While Eli is indeed a stellar businessman, he excels even more as a father, and the true apple of his eye is his son, Victor. When he received word that he was going to become a father, he resolved that Harry Chapin's song, The Cat in the Cradle, would not apply to him and to his son. Victor invested himself deeply in his son. He spent a lot of time with him. He taught him how to, uh, well, he read to him and he taught him his ABCs, how to tie his shoes, throw a ball, or catch a frog. Um, he would uh, go and accompany him on his field trips at school and attend his school plays. And whenever it was Victor, Victor was sick and had to stay home from school, Eli stayed home from work in order to take care of his son. But Eli was very conscious, however, not to raise a spoiled child. And he gave Victor age-appropriate responsibilities and chores around the house that increased as he aged. He even taught his young son how to run a business. For instance, when Victor was just seven years old, he and Eli came up with the idea that he would start a pet walking business. So they developed goals, they created flyers, they secured customers, and they began walking the pets. In fact, it did so well uh, that by the time he was 12 years old, Victor had to hire some of his friends to help him walk the pets. Eli even took Victor to work along with him. And Victor took it all in as he saw his father bring, his best, bring the best out of his employees how he was able to close a deal and come up with new products. Often, Eli would tell Victor that one day he would share in running a substantial portion of his company, and that always brought a smile to Victor's face. All throughout middle school and high school, Eli and Victor were like two peas in a pod. They did everything together. They enjoyed the great outdoors, and, and their favorite activities were to go whitewater rafting and hiking. And they would travel the world to shoot the best rapids and scale the highest peaks. They even made a pact that one day they would reach the top of Mount Everest together. Victor was completely in charge of his dog walking business and his dad began to give him some responsibilities at Hem Industries. 
It wasn't long after that, however, that it was time for Victor to head off to college. And he learned his father's ways very well because he was very good with people and he became one of the most liked and popular guys on campus. And much like Jim Cramer, the hedge fund manager and the author and host of Mad Money, he started a business while he was in college that essentially enabled him to support himself throughout college and to even make a profit. He saw the escalating cost of school textbooks and how quickly new editions superseded the old ones. And so he devised a plan whereby he would enable students to rent textbooks, and he launched textrentals.com. And he contracted with college bookstores across the country, and soon they were renting textbooks. His business grew so well that by the end of college, he was able to sell it for many millions of dollars. And in fact, so many people were impressed by Victor that job offers began pouring in for him, many of them from his father's competitors. But Victor paid them no mind. He simply responded, I'm going to work for my dad. He did, however, head off to graduate school, and after graduating at the top of his class with his MBA from the Wharton School of Business, he began working for his father. And his father entrusted large portions of the company to him that prospered very well under Victor's direction. People began telling Victor, however, that he could do better on his own, that his father was holding him back, stunning his growth, that, they, that he wouldn't let Victor experience his full potential. He continued to receive job offers from others, but Victor dismissed them all. Over time, however, Victor did begin to think that his dad was kind of old-fashioned and that the business would do better under uh, uh, Victor's some of Victor's new innovative ideas. He began listening to those who thought that he deserved more. Even his wife, who was very fond of Eli, told Victor that he was stunted in his father's shadow. His competitors' job offers became more enticing and they promised him full control of business operations, more publicity, more money. Victor wanted to call the shots. He wanted to be in the limelight. Victor desired glory. He decided, even without speaking to his father, who had been his lifelong counselor and mentor, that he would accept one of the uh, competitor's job offers and leave Hem Industries. The betrayal was staggering. The employees at Hem Industries were shocked. Many of Hem's competitors rejoiced as they thought that this might mean the end of Eli Hem's market domination. Victor dodged all of his father's phone calls, emails, even visits to his door. Victor knew that he had done his dad wrong, but he didn't have time for that right now. He was focusing on what was lying ahead of him, on being the captain of his own ship. Victor immediately began working for Devel International, a large and powerful corporation known for its desire to topple Hem Industries and to become the number one manufacturer. Victor was given a big corner office, a luxurious company car, a fat expense check, and lots of photo ops. He went to work right away, using what his father taught him to compete against his father. Things were going well for Victor, too. He was living large, and he was enjoying the ride. 
He was, ple- he was pleasing his new employer with new product development, new marketing strategies, and increasing market share. Throughout this time, however, Eli continued to uh, pursue Victor, but Victor avoided Eli like the plague. Eli pled with his son on the phone messages that he left him, telling him that he loved him and he was always welcome back. But Eli paid no heed. Oh, sure, uh, excuse me, Victor paid no heed. At times, he would try to call Eli back when he knew that Eli would be busy and he would have to leave a message. In a few months, as often goes the case, Devel International began requiring more from Victor. They wanted new products. They wanted greater production. They wanted more return for their money. Victor began working longer hours. His new company wasn't nearly as family-friendly as his father's company. Victor's wife grew weary of his long absences due to the amount of time that was required of him at work. He became so focused on producing more that he pressured his employees the way in which his bosses pressured him. And they resented him. And when they began complaining to him, he silenced their complaints with more work and promises of greater rewards. In order to keep up with his heavy demands, Victor began to cut corners. He lied to customers in order to secure sales, and he reduced production standards so that he could come in under budget. Devel International demanded new products, and Victor was fresh out of ideas. However, he did recall new technologies that his father was developing, and so he stole his father's ideas and produced them with Devel, at Devel International. Victor returned his father's goodness and kindness with betrayal. He stole from his father, and if that wasn't enough, he did not heed any of his father's attempts to reconcile. Victor began working for Devel International, thinking that Devel would be the way in which he would obtain what he wanted in terms of satisfaction and pleasure in life. But rather, he came to realize that he was enslaved to Devel's interest and accomplishing their goals. The man who was named Victor had become defeated. Eli's many attempts to reach his son again went unheeded. And when he could no longer ignore his son's um, conduct, the board of directors of Hem Industries met together and they decided to foul suit against Victor for violating the non-compete clause, for stealing proprietary information, and for many other business and ethical violations. When Victor's problems multiplied, he found himself alone. Devel International, the very company that lured him away from his father and enticed him to cut corners and to compromise, made Victor out to be the scapegoat for all the problems that the company was beginning to face. His wife separated from him. His many hours and driven ambition left him friendless. The only one who genuinely paid him any interest or showed him any concern, was his father, Eli. But by this point, Victor was so filled with shame, he couldn't bear his father's visits. And so he sat in prison alone, awaiting trial. The day of the trial arrived, and Victor's head reeled as he entered the courtroom, for sitting behind the bench was his own father. 
The court system had become so overrun with cases that they were calling in the standby judges and Victor's case was assigned to his father. Of course, as the trial began, both the prosecution and the defense asked Eli to recuse himself from the case since he was related to the defendant. But Eli insisted that the trial would go on, and the trial did. And Victor's head reeled again as the prosecution's first witness was Mr. Devell of Devell International, who fired accusation after accusation, some legitimate, many fabricated, against Victor for his actions. At the conclusion of the case, Eli issued his decision for his son, guilty. And the prosecution cheered as he read the stiff sentence of a long imprisonment. Eli wrapped his gavel on the bench, however, and he ordered that order would be restored in the courtroom. And he announced that the defendant, however, would not serve the sentence. Victor's head that had been bowed in shame shot up sharply at this point and looked inquisitively at his father while the prosecution was yelling, objection, objection. Eli hammered his gavel upon the bench, restoring order once again. And he stood up from behind the bench, took off his robe, and stood next to his son and announced that he would, share, that he would serve his son's sentence rather than his son. Tears began streaming down Victor's cheeks. And he said to his dad, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. I'm so sorry. Please don't do this. But Eli took his hands and placed them on his son's shoulders and said to him, Victor, I have loved you and I have always loved you. But as a judge, it was necessary for me to rule according to the law and pronounce you guilty. But as your father, I lovingly will pay the sentence that you deserve. Take the new lease on life that I have given you. Make me proud. Lead my companies that I'm leaving under your direction the way that I would. Of course, Victor, uh, excuse me, of course the bailiffs came and they carried Mr. Hem off to prison where Mr. DeVell's cronies had been waiting in prison to do away with Victor, but instead they did away with Mr. Hem himself. Victor, who had previously been defeated and estranged, went on to live a victorious life through the lessons and the love that his father had given him. Victor learned that glory is not derived by living according to our own desires and according to our own ways, but by living in his father's unconditional, sacrificial love and according to the less, his father's wisdom. Hem Industries continues to dominate the world market to the chagrin of Devell International. Now the story of Eli Hem and his son Victor is the message that the angels delivered on that first Christmas Eve. And it is the message of hope that misguided glory seekers like me and like you need to hear and respond to. The angels appeared to the shepherds, and through them, the message extended to a nation that at one time itself was the apple of God's eye. But they wanted to call their own shots. They wanted to live by their own rules. They wanted to pursue their own glory. Their selfish ambition estranged them from God. 
This age-old problem was one that began with their father, represented by Victor in our story. And it extends to us today. All of us have betrayed a God so loving and good. All of us have used the many blessings that God has given on ourselves and to compete against God. All of us have turned a deaf ear to his loving appeals for us to return to him. We all, like Victor, have robbed our father of his glory by pursuing a glory apart from him. In the process, the very things that we have pursued for our own pleasure and our satisfaction in life have become for us our taskmasters and they are enslaving us the same way in which Victor became enslaved to Devel International. Scripture plainly tells us all that we have all sinned and fall short of God's glory. To enslaved rebels such as ourselves, the angels declare, Fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace with those, among those with whom he is well pleased. Eli Hem portrays God's character. God is a righteous judge who must pronounce us guilty for our rebellion. We are liable to God for our treachery. But in his extraordinary mercy, God, who, yes, is a judge, is also our father, and he comes to us and declares that he is our savior. Just as Eli, the judge, took upon himself the penalty for his son, Victor, our God himself steps behind his judgment throne, if you will, and he says to us that I have loved you. I have always loved you. And because I love you, I am going to take upon the penalty for your sin, myself, and the person of my son. Go and live in my love and according to my wisdom and make me proud. This is God's glory. This is his glory that is on full display at Christmas. He is righteous and just, but he is also merciful and loving through Jesus Christ. This is why the heavenly hosts declare glory to God in the highest. Of course, this is where our little story about Eli and Victor falls so short because no earthly father can bring himself back from the dead. But God the Father did raise Jesus Christ up from the dead as a testament to the fact that he accepted Christ's payment for the penalty of our sin in our behalf. Through his resurrection, Jesus Christ destroyed the Vell International, that is the devil, the great exploiter of life and the accuser who held the power of death. The true glory of the shepherds was acting on the message that they heard and what they witnessed for themselves. And scripture tells us that they left the manger where they saw the baby Jesus glorifying and praising God for what they had witnessed. A few days later, according to the Old Testament law, Mary and Joseph presented Jesus at the temple. 
An aged prophet by the name of Simeon had been previously told by God that he would not die until he saw the Lord's salvation. And upon seeing the baby Jesus brought into the temple, Simeon declared, Lord, you are now letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Did you catch that? What is our glory? God's glory is given to the repentant. You see, Christ is Israel's glory. The New Testament describes that whoever genuinely believes in Jesus Christ, they are the true glory. They are the true Israel of God. Our glory then is not found in seeking our own way, calling our own shots, living by the way in which we want to live, but it is found and embracing God's love for us through Jesus Christ, seeking to please Him in all that we do. And if we so follow Jesus Christ, we will be victors, and we will move from being defeated to living victoriously in Jesus Christ. We will find the glory for which we were created and God's glory for us in Christ. Let us pray.